Well, we have a lot to praise God for in our midst on a regular basis, and certainly a um, number of answers to prayer this week. Um, just think of uh, John Sattler and uh, coming to a conclusion from the standpoint of an of, of, of answer to prayer over many, many um, months. So what a great opportunity to, to lift the Lord up in our midst and, and thank Him and praise Him for those things. Um, amen? Yeah. And so uh, um, we come to um, uh, the next uh, section in our in our in our uh, time together. And uh, last uh, um, few, last couple of weeks sessions, we, uh, Dave has t- taken us through ver- uh, verses ten through twelve of First Peter. We're in a study on First Peter, um, and what a marvelous study! Oh my goodness, um, this has just been. Um, a, a transformational study in my own life. Uh, hopefully, it continues and, and is that in yours also. And uh, as we iron sharpening iron, you know, I think that, that as we prepare ourselves for that which is to come, what a great um, opportunity we have to um, to live out our lives as testimonies for God in, in, in such a time as this. Amen. Yeah. So. Um, as we look at the next section, it is verses 13 through 17, and verses 13 through 17 are going to be, we're going to break it up into a, a very small section um, this week, and a larger section next week. But as we think about, like, um, uh, some of the questions that you wrestled through here, you know, what is the therefore, therefore, <laughs> and, 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 and if you would, you know, um, uh, as the outline, verses 13 through 17, what are the components of that? We're going to talk about that also together. And then some of the other things here as far as, you know, the difference between hope and faith and hope, and how do those interact and yet be different? And how does that manifest itself when we talk about fix our hope, just the word completely? I mean, uh, that, that for me was something that I want to get your input on as far as, in your own life, in, in my life. I mean, how do I do that completely? Um, what does that look like and mean? Um, and I want to talk about the manifestations of that in our lives. And um, then, then the timing of when this hope will materialize and, 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 and be realized and, and, and at the end of our time together. So uh, today we're going to focus on, on the res- uh, this week and next week we're going to focus on the res- our responses to so great a salvation that we talked about um, over the last few weeks. And uh, so this week is going to be talking about um, the fact that we, we must, you know, Peter's going to call us to, to a conclusion. I like the way Paul and Peter do that in the scriptures. It's, it's, it's not about, like, I'm just going to share some stuff with you and then, you know, um, do with it what you may. Paul and Peter really call us to attention, call us to a decision, call us to something that matters, call us out of the, the mindset that we've been in, call us to something that is eternal, call us to something that, 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 that has tremendous value in our life. And, and so that, that is the portion of the scriptures that we're going to be in this week and next week. Um, so we must respond in hope. We must respond in holiness. We're going to talk about what is holiness in, in my life. Uh, it's the same as godliness, same as becoming more like Christ. But what does that look like? Um, and then uh, the third point uh, here is um, we must respond in worship. We must respond in worship. So as you looked at the outlining of... Um, of uh, the session, what, what, what I hope you got was, was really an understanding of um, our, our, our learning objectives for today. 
And I want to just talk about this just really quickly. So if you turn to the second page at the top, what you're going to find is that um, our response to salvation, today's learning objectives, are they going to be the same as next week. They're both exactly the same. And what the objective is for today, my goal, my hope for you, okay, is that we would learn how God would have us respond. How God would have us respond to what He calls out here. Look at your look at look at First uh, Peter, verse three, um, that you've been born, caused us to be born again to a living hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So that he would that that as we think about this living hope, which is really wrapped up in summary, in aggregate, with what Dave talked about the last two weeks, which is what we'll call our so great a salvation. Wasn't that just an incredible uh, uh, time that Dave walked us through just to, to be reminded of how the prophets saw it, to be reminded about how angels see it, to be reminded about what Jesus Christ says about it, to be reminded about the fact that we have so great a salvation. Yeah, well, I, for me, it was, it was just amazing. And so to be reminded of that and to understand then, if you would, um, how it's, it's, it, uh, it, stand, it stands before us, literally ready to be revealed, he says. Look at verse, um, end of verse, uh, uh, verse 5. He says, um, who are protected by, by the power of God through faith for salvation, quote, ready to be revealed in the last time. And then if you go to verse 13, at the end of that he says, grace to be brought to you at what? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, so th- this is a, my objective. Our objective is that today you, you get immersed in the first response and next week you get in, immersed in the second and third response. Um, so the first has to do with uh, hope and the second has to do with holiness and the third has to do with worship. You know, it's interesting because as we go to the worship piece, you know, I don't know about you all, uh, how many of you are in community groups, but I really challenge you to be involved in those. That's really where life happens, okay? Really where life happens in the community of our body, okay? And, and the last week, we spent a whole lot of time trying to de- deconstruct, decompose what it means to become a worshiper of God. And the four components that, that, that undergird becoming a worshiper of God, and you're going to hear a lot more about becoming a worshiper of God from the standpoint of Michael and the leadership as we think about going forward. But part of becoming a worshiper of God is really have, how do we cultivate a, a, a high view or an exalted view of God? How do we cultivate a high or exalted view of, of Scripture? How do we prepare our hearts for worship? And then how do we cultivate just uh, becoming a better worshiper ourselves? I mean, so we, we walk through how we do that personally and then how we do that in the community of the redeemed. And what a great time that was. And, and I, next week I'm going to provide that the outputs of that, at least from our community group. You probably have a whole boatload of those also when we talk about this issue um, at the end of next week, which is how do we respond in worship? And how do we become uh, the best worshipers we can? Okay? So, um, as, as we look at uh, verses 13 through 17, let me read this for you. The portion in blue is the portion we're going to cover today. And the portion in gray, yeah, right, Mark, 
we're going to cover next week. <laughs> Therefore, gird your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Verse 17, And if you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon earth. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word as we look into this this morning for the portion that is blue here. So, as you think about um, the question I asked in the, in the, in the, in the roundtables, when you outline this, what, what, did, what did you come up with? What's, what's the first thing? I'd ask for the outline with three main areas. What's the first one? What would you come up with? I'll give you a hint. The first one is in the blue. <laughs> three responses, right? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Fix your hope completely. Because some of us probably went to, well, I see gird your minds, and I see keep sober in spirit, right? How many wrestled with that? Yeah, here, yeah? So, I mean, it makes sense. But at the end of the day, what I'm going to challenge you with is that to, to respond in hope is to fix our eye, fix our hope completely on the grace of, of Jesus Christ, who will be, which will be brought to us at the revelation of Christ. How we fix our hope, okay, are the other two ways, which we're going to hit next week, which is by girding our minds for action, by keeping sober in spirit. That's the how, but the what is about fixing our hope completely on the grace to be brought to us. Make sense? Okay. So if that's the first one, what's the second one? second one has two parts to it, actually. What do you think? Pardon me? It's not in the blue. Good, 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 good idea. Yeah. It's not in the blue and it's not in verse 13. How's that? And it's not in verse 17. How's that? <laughs> okay. Holiness is the one thing, but if it's broken into two components, what would the two parts be? Do not be what? Conformed, right? To the former lusts and then yet be like the Holy One. Right? Yep. Those two components. And then the third one then is what? Conduct yourselves in fear. Conduct yourselves in fear. Right, correct. So those then bring out of that the three responses that we just talked about. We, need to res- we must respond in, in hope. We must respond with holiness. And we must respond in what? I, I called it worship. This says fear. Seems to be different. We'll put them together. Make sense, everybody? Okay, ready to go next step? Alright. We must respond in hope. We must respond in hope. So he begins with the word therefore. And I asked you the question, what's the therefore therefore? <laughs> what is it? Why? Why do you think? The verses before, right? Yep, yep. So, so it refers back to our great salvation. The therefore is there for the purpose of pointing back to the verses that come before that. And it is to our great salvation, which we see at the end of verse um, 9 salvation of your souls, beginning of verse 10, as to this great salvation, this salvation. Um, so what makes our salvation so great? What, what in verses 1 through 12 make our salvation so great? 
Let me suggest it's really three things. The first thing is our salvation's place in God's foreordained plan. God's foreordained plan. He says at the end of verse 1, to those who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, sanctifying work of the Spirit, you may be obeyed Jesus Christ and be sprinkled in His blood. So you who are chosen, uh, you who are elected, you who are who have been graced by God from eternity past as a result of His decision, not my decision, that is what He's saying. Is, is That's why the salvation is so great. Because God did it. It's His plan. It is His eternal will and plan that He is, he is doing. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to that particular um, session, I really encourage you to. So many people struggle with this whole issue of you know, eternal security or um, you know, God's elective purposes or you know, um, how do people come to Christ and what's the role of faith. Uh, we, we really talked about all of those things in that session. Um, so sec- God's foreordained plan. The second reason why, why it's so great is the marvelous promise of an eternal and glorious inheritance. This living hope has to do with a glorious inheritance that is, quote, laid up before you in heaven. It literally exists right now. It has multidimensional, multifaceted. What are some of the components of our inheritance? Eternal life is, 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 is the big one, right? What else? Being with God. Intimacy with God. Being in His presence. Being with Him forever. Okay, what else? Worshiping Him. What else? Pardon me? Rewards that will come our way as a result of the way in which we made decisions to please Him in this life. What else? Being complete. complete. Oh my goodness. Having this thing completed. We're going to talk more about that today. What else? Oh my goodness. Being completely free from the power and the consequences of sin. There's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. What else? I mean, those are great ones. Great ones. The third one is its intrinsic greatness and it's dramatic and it's stunning and it's spectacular and it's magnificent and it's awe-inspiring properties. We just, we just declared amongst each other just like a hair of what these are like that we will glorify God for all eternity. What an amazing thing. I mean, just a hair. Just, just a smidgen. <laughs> of what, of what uh, we will articulate to one another forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. How cool is that? Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it takes me to this, this song. Um, I'm not going to sing it for you, okay? <laughs> but let me read the verse, verses for you from And Can It Be, okay? And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood Died he for me who causes pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be, that thou my God shouldst die for me. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace. And he emptied himself of all but love, and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all immense and free, oh my God, it found out me. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. There it is. A quickening ray. Bring to life. I woke 
the dungeon flamed with light, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, I went forth, and I followed thee. Here it is. No condemnation. Now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head. And clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne. And claim the crown through Christ my own. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you, you know, one of the components of of worship that I want to encourage your heart with is literally when people wrote hymns, when people write songs, they spend an inordinate amount of time to put down in verse what is very, very important in a very short way of doing it. And so one of the things that we talked about in our community group as far as how do I cultivate worship in my personal life is have a hymnal next to you. If you don't like hymns, you don't have to sing it. You can read it. <laughs> and, you, and you read the songs. And you read what the, 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 is going on in, 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 those, in those hymns. And it just really brings your heart to the crystal clear understanding of, of what is going on. And so, really encourage you to that end. And can it be? Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, well, he goes on. He says, uh, now Peter is going to transition to the imperative mode. The imperative mode. Uh, what's the imperative mode mean? What does that mean? Imperative is a command mode, right? There's certainty to speak, do this, right? Okay? So he's moving from making a statement to application, from making a fact to, I'll call it, meddling in our life. <laughs> meddling. <laughs> he's, he's a meddling guy. Okay? He's going to meddle, he's gonna meddle in, my, in my life. Okay. He now describes our obligations and our responsibilities because we have become recipients of and participates in, participants in so great a salvation. So great a salvation. Um, I'm not going to have you turn to it, but in Luke 12:48, he says, "Too much has been given; too much will be required." As we think about this in our own life, um, I just want to be clear. Okay, we have been given in all of this so great a salvation. We have this amazing living hope. We have a rock that, that, that stands the test of time in our ability to navigate trials in, in our life. And we have a clear understanding of why those exist in our souls as a result of just our studies so far. We have an amazing understanding of, of, of how God has acted on our behalf in our life. And, and we have this incredible picture of all of the amazing components and elements of our so great a salvation that we've touched in just 12 verses of Peter. Um, and, and so I just want to encourage us that we need to take this seriously. And we really need to um, understand how... Um, we have, a, we have an accountability personally with the scriptures and the word of God. Not just for here, but for our lives as we, as we interact with scripture. You know, one of the things that um, I'm so, uh, the verse I love so much in, in, in Corinthians is, is that, you know, as we continue to spend more and more time in the presence of God, he says from an encounter to encounter, that God actually transforms our life. It changes our, our, our soul. 
changes who we are, changes our visual, visible countenance, actually, in, interestingly enough, and, and, and makes us more like Christ. And so it's that process of beholding God that literally does the transforming work in our soul. He uses the Spirit of God. He uses the Word of God, but it is a work that He's doing when we, when we spend time in His presence. That's, that's how that refiner's fire actually happens. And so I want to encourage us to that end. Therefore, <laughs> well, let's go on and take a look at um, what we should do next. What we should do next. What we should do next. Top of page three. Um, he says, fix your, fix your hope. This is the main emphasis of verse 13. Fix your hope. Fix your hope. It's, uh, uh, what, what, what is the terminology here is an aorist active imperative in which Peter is exhorting believers in a military fashion to a decisive kind of action. The concept here is that you're in the middle of a war and, and the general calls you to this hill and, and, and you don't even think about it. It's like second nature because you've been taught to obey. And because of that, go. <laughs> go now. And the idea here is fix your hope now. Fix it now. Have that be part of what you're doing. Um, turn with me to First um, Timothy verses six and six, chapter six, verse seventeen. First Timothy, chapter six, verse seventeen. Would somebody read that out loud if you got it? Anybody? Okay. So instruct those who are rich, those who have money. So how many people, when you read that in this room, immediately went to the point of saying, "Well, that's not me." Come on, be honest. Raise your hands. Somebody else, not me. Anybody? Interesting. Okay, good. Because it is all of us. Okay. When you look at where we are in in our life, comparatively speaking to others in the world, we are very rich. Rich in many, many things, not just money. Okay. But here he says, those who are rich with money. Okay. Not be conceited. Point number one. But number two is. Fix their hope on the. Uh, do not fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but fix your hope on God. Fix your hope on God. So this is this is this is Paul's uh, command to Timothy to fix your hope on God. Um, turn with me to Hebrews twelve. Hebrews twelve, verses one and two. He says, uh, "Somebody want to read that real quick?" Okay, yours says, "Looking to Jesus" or "Looking at Jesus." A new American says what? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It's the same thing. So how do we fix our hope on something? It's, it's by fixing our eyes on Jesus as to how we do that. Fix our eyes on God. The word fix is, to, is not just a glance at, but it's a steady, prolonged gaze. This word fix came out, if you remember, when, when Michael talked about the resurrection Remember when, 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 when Peter, let's see if it would be, it was Peter and John, right, um, who went to the tomb? Remember he said he, he, he gazed intently at, what, at the linens? That's the concept. He's like totally engrossed in figuring out, uh, staring down that issue. And so he says, stare down our living hope in your life. Stare it down. Have it consume your gaze. Um, as a part of you, the dashboard of your soul. 
Um, that's his point. Okay? Um, it's a hope that is an obligatory act of our will. It's not merely an emotional feeling that we have. Um, we are commanded to live with confident expectation. This is, a, this is two words that I use on a regular basis to try to help people describe the word hope. Confident expectation. What, it, it, it takes it... What, what does that... What do those two words bring to the table in our normal discourse uh, that we have here in this generation? What does hope normally elicit in your thoughts um, when you read that word based upon who we are 20th century? A wish, yeah. I wish it, it, I wish it'll happen, right? And, and that's not, it's, it's not based on a whole lot of um, underpinnings necessarily, is it? It's just like, you know, I wish it, I, you know, I hope it's going to be sunny tomorrow. Well, good luck, 51, 50%, you know, one way or the other, right? I mean, regardless of what the weatherman says. <laughs> um, so, um, so what does confident expectation bring to the party uh, instead of the word hope as you think about our, our living hope? Pardon me? No doubt. No doubt whatsoever. It is secure. It is there even now. What's fascinating is, is that, um, um, as we're going to look at this, is that th- this actually, Peter speaks of it as actually having taken place. Um, I'm going to talk about that in a second. Anything else on, on confident expectation? Trust. Yeah. Trust. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Confident expectations, confident convictions. That's I like that. That's good. Really good. Um, so he says, hope is the believer's attitude towards the future. Hope is the believer's attitude towards the future. So we're going to talk about this. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Acts 24.15. Acts 24.15. Uh, let's actually work, read verses 14 through 16. Acts 24.14 through 16. Would somebody read that out loud? Okay, uh, New American um, at the beginning of verse 15 says, having a hope in God which these men what? Cherish. Wow, that, isn't that a cool word? Cherish. Wow. So he's, here's, here's, here's Paul standing before Felix, okay, uh, giving, an, giving a, an account for the reason why he believes, right? And he says um, that... Uh, um, and they're speaking about this, this the way. I love that 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 name. Um, and he says that, that these people who are part of the way, they what characterizes them is what that they hope in God due to a resurrection. What is what is the fact that that we believe in a resurrection and that we that Jesus was the first fruits and and that we will we will follow him. How does that change a person's life from the standpoint of what they live for? If there's a resurrection, then there's what? There's life, and there's also a judgment. There's a judgment also then, because it follows with. So, the fact that I believe in a resurrection, and I believe that there's a higher being of accountability in the world and the universe, says that what? I have to change how I think about how I live my life. But if, in fact, that the resurrection will not exist, then what? 
beer commercial says it, right? <laughs> Eat, drink, and be merry. You know, you only go around once in life, right? Well, we don't all we we don't just go around once in life. Okay, there's more to what we see than what meets the eye. And in fact, that which does not meet the eye is actually eternal, not the physical, the way we see it today. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly, because then I because the nature of sin is what to to shift blame and remove accountability. Fundamental across all people. Shift blame and seek to get out from underneath accountability. That's it. Do what I want then, right? Because I have a quote license to, right? And that is that is so far from these individuals back then who were part of the way. Why? Because as soon as he declares this, he says they are characterized by something. The fact that there's a resurrection, and because of that, what? According to verse 16, in view of this, Paul says, I do my best to maintain a blameless conscience. That's his fundamental life purpose, is to please God by, by doing two things. Having a blameless conscience before God, which is, I would suggest, living with purity, living in integrity, right? And second, what? A blameless conscience before men. Blameless conscience before men. He says, these are the two components that help that, as to how I'm living my life differently. Why? Because of the resurrection. Why? Because of the living hope. Why? Because I fix my eyes on God. Not on myself. Let me tell you, where we fix our eyes has ultimate consequences. Ultimate consequences. It really matters. It really makes a lot of difference in our life. Okay? Turn with me to Titus 1 2. If you get that, go ahead and read it out loud. Titus 1 verse 2. Uh, do 1 and 2. It's kind of context there. Titus 1, 1 and 2. Okay? So, in the, with the hope of eternal life, the hope of eternal life, the, 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 the confident, convicted convictions or conclusions or expectations of the fact that through this truth, we will have eternal life. We'll have eternal life. We have eternal life, I guess would be the best way to say it. Um, okay? We have eternal life. Stay in Titus um, and, and look, look with me to verse, chapter 2, verse 13. He says, Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that he calls it this, the blessed hope. Uh, chapter 3, verse 7, he says, And being justified by His grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Hope of eternal life. Um, so yeah, amazing. Um, he, so back to what Paul says about this, this, this truth. He says it's a truth that, that, that those who are part of the way, they cherish. What, what, what does the word cherish elicit in you? What are the kind of things we cherish in our lives? Family? What else? Friends? What does the word cherish mean to you? Hold really dear. Hold really close. Protect at all costs. Protect at all costs. There aren't very many things in life that I choose to protect at all costs, that I will give my life for. So maybe the word cherish is that I'm willing to give my life for. That's what I cherish. The authors of the scriptures say, careful what you cherish. Careful what you treasure, because where your treasure is what? There your heart is also. There's hope. 
So what's the difference between hope and faith? Faith involves trusting God in the present. Faith involves trusting God in the present. To do so, to trust God in the present, appropriates what God has already said and what He's already done in His revealed Word. So if I don't know what God said, and I don't know what God's done, how can I trust trust God? I can't. In fact, I will be a very poor truster. (laughs) How can I trust somebody I don't know? So if if you're struggling in your life to trust God, what I have found in my own personal life is as I come to grips with the character and the conduct of who God is, what He's done, that elicits in my soul the ability to well up and believe in Him and trust Him for everything He's said so far that He will do. Hebrews says we have this as an anchor for the soul. The ability to know that by God's Word He will fulfill His covenant. A couple of verses here that I wanted to hit on. Uh, Romans 117, we're not going to turn to it, but he says the righteous shall live by what? Faith. faith. Yeah, by faith. By trusting God. Go to 2 Corinthians 5, seven. 2 Corinthians 5, seven. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Somebody want to read that? Okay. We walk by faith and not by sight as believers in Christ. That is, right? As believers in Christ, we walk by faith, not by sight. So just that, just that verse alone tells you what about faith? Faith is what? Something I can't see. I can't, I can't, conclu- I can't, it's, it's not right there for me to be able to reach out and touch. It's, 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 it takes a step to get there from here. Okay? Um, go to Galatians chapter 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Read this out loud. Okay. So he says, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm living my life as, a, as one who is of the way, I will be characterized by one who dies to myself and lives for Christ. And that process is actually realized when I, do it, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. So my ability to actually die to myself comes only from the ability for me to believe God and His promises that He has that He's a that He sees everything He rewar- He remembers everything He rewards everything. It's that it's that reminder that 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 is why I do what I do. I do it to please Him, and that He He that that by doing this it will please Him. It will please Him. And so when I go home at night and I have, a, I have a decision in my heart as I walk through that door to, to not act naturally. <laughs> my, my dad used to tell me all the time when I'd go out, uh, you know, uh, out of the house, he, said, he just turned to me, he goes, don't act natural. Don't act natural. <laughs> and his whole point was, son, you have, you have a father that's not me. He sees everything. And he wants you to please him, not me. And see, when we when we when we when we talk about with our children, with 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 um, uh, folks, you know, I think w- the one thing I, I've tried to share with my kids is, look, you can do whatever you want, do whatever you want, just please God with it. Please God. That's all you got to care about. Please God. Doesn't matter. Don't have all these rules. Please God. That's it's really simple. 
Really simple. And faith is about believing God's word that he has said and what he's done so that in today I make the right decision. So what is hope then? Hope then involves trusting God for what is yet to come in the future. Yet to come in the future. Uh, turn with me to Hebrews 3.6. Hebrews 3.6. The way I do this, by the way, is that hope anticipates what he will yet do that he has already promised in the scriptures. So this is not what I think. This is not what I somehow have come to a conclusion on believing. Okay? Our hope is rock solid, cemented in the word of God. That's it. Okay? That's how we build our hope. Um, Hebrews three six. Somebody want to read that? Okay. So as we as we as we hold this confidence or this conviction or this courage and to the end, to the very end, as we demonstrate how that's actually happening, is we are actually demonstrating our hope, our hope in God. Okay, our hope in God. So what should we do? Continued. He says not just uh, fix your hope, but he uses this adverb called completely. Completely fix our hope. Um, completely means unreservedly, or fully, or perfect, perfectly. Um, we are not to hope half-heartedly or indecisively. Remember, uh, James says, you know, um, uh, when, when God gives us an answer, believe it, trust it. Yeah, lean fully into it. Um, uh, we are to hope with finality, without any equivocation, any doubt concerning the promises of God. No doubt concerning the promises of of God. Um, turn with me to uh, Romans 8, 20, we're going to do 24 and 25. Romans 8, 24 and 25. Romans 8, verses 24 and 25. Somebody read that out loud? Okay. With perseverance we wait eagerly for it. We, 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 we center down. We, 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 with endurance, fully commit ourselves to what, 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 it, what it is. Um, in that way. Um, a, couple, a couple of other verses here um, you can look at, but uh, chapter, uh, go to chapter 15 in Romans. Um, verse 13, he says, um, this is one of the, my, my favorite verses, um, he says, Now may the God of hope, interestingly enough, where does, where does hope come from? Come from God. He's the author. He's the architect. He's the giver. He's the salute. He's the he's the securer. He's the one who, to whom all hope is 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 put towards. And now may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Spirit. So it's the power of the Spirit that it literally like entrenches hope in our souls. He actually like puts it down and secures it. And he uses the word of God by which that gives us the ability to, to trust in what he has yet to come based upon what he promises in the scriptures. Okay? No doubt. We are to live by faith in the present and with, I uh, like the word, full conviction or full persuasion, as, as uh, John said earlier, as to being fully concluded and a settled hope for all that is yet to come. A settled hope for all that is to come. Hebrews six nineteen to twenty says that um, this hope we have as uh, an anchor for our souls, and he says a hope that has three things to it. First of all, it's sure. Second, it's steadfast, and third, it, it, it's a hope that actually enters within the veil. 
um, enters within the veil. And so this idea of entering into the veil is the idea of literally coming into the presence of God and being face to face with Him now. Because before the veil was ripped, they couldn't go there, right? But now we have a hope that goes within the veil, that comes into the presence of God and secures our ability to trust Him in the midst of. Okay? So completely, fix it completely. Biblical hope reaffirms God's integrity. How does that happen? It's not that God's integrity actually is diminished. It's that our understanding of God's integrity is diminished in our ability to, hope, to, 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 to either um, put Him on trial for His character and his, and, and, his, and his integrity by not believing Him into what I'm saying or doing, or I affirm His integrity and, 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 uh, and, and his character and conduct in my life. How I, how I decide to choose to act literally does this uh, at the moment that happens. Because I either trust him or I don't. Right? Yeah. Okay? So what should we do uh, beyond this? He says, on, fix it completely on the grace to be brought to you. On the grace to be brought to you. The ultimate feature of our hope is the grace to be brought to us. This describes our glorification. What does our glorification mean? What does that mean? Okay, the final state that's characterized by what? What? It's to be like Him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. When we see Him, we will be like Him. Does that mean it will be God? No. It means that we will have bodies who, that, 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 are, that are immortal bodies. They're immortal bodies. Our bodies that we have today will not be there. We will have immortal bodies, and they will be characterized by the glory of God, not, not the degradation of sin. They will no longer be a shadow. Great concept. Great concept. That, I love that. Yep. And that, that completes our, our, our redemption, which today is not completed yet. Really, because that piece of our redemption, um, our justification, our sanctification is concluded in our glorification, which is all under the umbrella of God's incredible redemption. Incredible redemption. Okay, so that is something that He is um, that, is, that is this grace to be brought to us, and and Peter's grammatical construction here actually indicates an absolute assurance. This is not something that um, he wishes for, as we said earlier. This is something that he's saying has actually been concluded. If time were not an issue, okay, he says this is, com- this is done. It's complete. It's over. It's, it's, it's completed. And, and, and I want you to... Uh, um, I, I, want to um, I want to look at this, uh, if I could, uh, by um, looking at a, uh, a, a couple of verses here. He says... Um, so Romans um, 8, uh, 23, we read that one. Philippians um, uh, 3, 20 and 21. Let's turn there. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21. Would somebody read that? Okay. So New American also says, verse 24, Our citizenship is in heaven from, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior. Eagerly wait for a Savior. This eagerly waiting... It's the same verses that same concept that David talked about last week. Who else is eagerly waiting? Who else is standing on tiptoes? Who else is longing for understanding? Angels. 
So we have these two populations of created beings, holy angels and redeemed believers, who are both, quote, longing to see this grace that is yet to be brought to us in the consummation of our redemption, which is our glorification. That is what he's saying is going to come. It's an absolute event. Um, And he says, when is this going to happen? It's at the revelation of Christ. The context here uh, as to when this will be brought to us is the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ. That's when this will take place. The the revelation of Christ. The second coming of Christ. Okay? And so, when we look at that... um, Peter urges his, believers, his readers and us to hope for this grace as though it were a present reality. To hope for this grace as though it were a present reality. Um, turn with me to, to Revelation chapter 1. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. Um, would somebody read verse 7? Revelation 1 verse 7 out loud. If, if you go back to Daniel, you go back to Matthew... All of these verses that he is quoting here in Revelation 1 are all in the future. He will come. He will be here. He is going to do this. And you get to Revelation 1, he says what? He is coming. He's doing it right now. And so what you see here is that time, you take time out. He is doing it. He is, he is in the process of coming. And, and so don't for a second think that that's not happening. Exactly. It absolutely is. So, when this takes place is at the rapture, but what you, what you read in the scriptures is that the, the second coming of Christ has two parts to it. One is what we call the rapture, of the, of the, uh, okay, which is, and the second is what we call his return. Both are under the, under the banner of the second coming of Christ. And so, very good point, um, because literally that's when that's going to happen, What's interesting is that happens there, but those who are part of earth don't see it until the return. <laughs> so in reality, it is. So that's a good point um, uh, tied to it. Yeah. And so Peter's command here isn't to focus on the amazing realities that are going to come with this amazing cataclysmic event. That's not what he tells, talks us to focus on. And so many of us go to that place as it pertains to looking at prophecy, looking at this and that. And that's not the point. He says the point is that we are all at the foot of the cross and that we are all unworthy. And this is what God's great grace that's going to be brought to us is going to achieve in our life. It's spectacular. It's amazing. It's unbelievable is his point that, that, that God would love even us and, 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 and that he would want us forever. That's the point he has here. And so he says we are to really see the realization of all these promises in, in the eternal glory as God's, quote, grace to be brought to us. And what I think is so fascinating here is grace began our journey back here when we came to Christ. Grace is at work in our lives right now as we, He is sanctifying us and it completely enables us to, to walk and please God today. And thirdly, grace will be the characterization of what our home is all about forever. But the phenomenal th- truth here, the phenomenal truth is that grace began, grace enables, grace characterizes our future home, but grace is, is going to be that single issue that leads us home. Leads us home. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Well, before, as we close here, I'd like you to stand where you're at. 
And I want to I want us to sing Amazing Grace if we could. Sing Amazing Grace. Phyllis, would you uh, with your voice <laughs> get us started on the right right uh, tune here? All right, I'll, I'll take a crack. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. A little faster now. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. When we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun, we Then when we first begun. Let's pray. Father, we cannot help but utter sheer amazement and sheer uh, praise and testimony of your incredible faithfulness in our lives. That you would love us and that you would have desired to want to redeem us stands alone in all of its glory. But Father, as we think about how you enable us this day, these days to live for you and please you, uh-huh. that's, that's so amazing. And that we think about our glorification, Father, when we will be with you forever and ever. Father, I'm just reminded of my father as he sang this last verse. And he says, when we've been there 10,000 million trillion years, bright shining as the sun, we'll know more days to sing your praise than when we first begun. Father, we just echo and desire to want to echo in this life and in the next um, your incredible faithfulness, your praises, and that you'd be exalted and lifted up in our midst. Father, may we be faithful to you this week as we seek to love you and to live for you and to worship you unequivocally. Father, we thank you for your name's sake. May, May we make your name great in those that we rub shoulders with. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.